Hello humans, it's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 120. That's number 120. This is the world's greatest comic mm-hmm. show about the world's greatest superheroes, and with me always is Brandon. Hello everybody. And Josh. One thing I hate about Santa Clara is all the goddamn vampires. Really? Neither one of you know that quote from Lost Boys? <laughs> no, honestly, I've never watched it. <laughs> oh my god. Poor unfortunate yeah. children. <laughs> I gotta say, Halloween's a little little further past than where we are now. Ah, nonsense. Yeah. Alright, so if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com and you can get us on Twitter at not a robot comics and if you feel like supporting us visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash nar podcasts we also have our very own discord server and with some support you can make your way into the server to talk all things geek with us and other fans for today's books we're looking at batgirls number 12 wonder woman number 793 i am batman number 15 superman son of kal-el number 17 multiversity teen justice number six the New Golden Age, number one. Wildcats, number one. Batman Incorporated, number two. Batman vs. Robin, number three. And Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number six. As well as a few other books that somehow got off the presses this week. But oh, before shit, we get into that... Heavy week. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some news before we get into our heavy week. What's up with you guys? What's new? Oh man, not a not whole a, lot. Not a whole lot. Yeah. Not a whole lot new that's been going on around here. Yeah, it's been pretty quiet. All over all the quiet place. Quiet on the Western here. Front. <laughs> been watching TV and movies lately. That's about all I've been doing. Yeah. Watching anything interesting? Uh, <laughs> yes, the interview with the vampire TV show is freaking awesome. I've heard good things about it. it it's like super good. I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. It's not, it's not like exactly like the books that does take a lot of liberties with it, but it is, uh, makes for a very good story, man. I dig it. And it's going to be part of the whole Anne Rice vampires, which is... Uh, universe it's all coming to uh what did i watch that on amc i think yeah i think it's amc it's pretty pretty damn good oh and i just watched the uh i just watched the uh gabriel iglesias uh uh stand-up special and oh jesus fluffy is funny as always you guys gotta check that one out it's hilarious i gotta check that out i i did watch the uh the new Hassan Minaj uh, special, which is oh, just see. as funny. That's the one that I have lined up for tonight. Right on. <laughs> oh, man. Brandon doesn't have time to watch TV. <laughs> yeah, no, not not uh, too much these days. Especially not the other show that i just been watching. I caught the first two episodes of Titans. Ooh. Yeah, Mother Mayhem and, and uh, who I am, who I am uh, assuming is going to be Brother Blood. 
are the villains. Oh, for the, the new season, right? Yes. Mother Mother Mayhem appears to be one bad mom, uh, man jamma, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's good. It remains to be told yet. Although I will say Garth is finally able to start, has just finally started changing into different animals. Only now? It's Yeah. It's season four. Yep. Okay. Wait, didn't he do that in like the first episode? Wasn't he was a tiger? That's all he's been doing is tigers. Oh, that tiger. But now he's like he went changed into a giant ape and some other shit and fucked some shit up. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we're not here to talk about TV. We're here to talk about comics. Any comic related news? Before we get into this heavy week. Oh shit, there's some heavy news before we get into this heavy week of books, isn't there? Only, uh, yeah, two, two, um, small bits of news. Just a bit of, a uh, bit of sad news, but, uh, definitely important. I, I guess I shouldn't say small. Um, we, and it, it sucks that I, I have to, I kind of have to keep talking about this, but it, it just keeps happening so often. But we unfortunately lost two, uh, more members of the comics community. This past week, actually, the first Kevin O'Neill, who's, I mean, if you've ever read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or right. um, literally any of the, the classic so 2000 AD strips, Nemesis the Warlock being a personal favorite of mine, um, at, uh, but unfortunately he passed away at the age of uh, 65 uh, earlier this week, um, I guess having a bout with cancer that I certainly didn't know about it, so it sounds like he was, was kind of keeping that private. Um, and the other one today, um, something that uh, sort of we kind of already knew was coming, but uh, unfortunately has now officially come to pass. Uh, Carlos Pacheco, at uh, age 60, passed away earlier today. Uh, also someone who definitely needs no introduction, but uh, had numerous works both at uh, Marvel and DC, although my personal favorite will always be Aerosmith with uh, Kurt Busiek. And actually, he just finished up the Aerosmith sequel uh, about a couple months ago. Um, so it's it's really sad that he's uh, he's gone um, and uh, won't you know be able to contribute more to the community. But also you know it's sad because they're really amazing people um, and it's always a really tragic loss. So starting with a sad. bit of depressing news, but uh, you know sad for it us, is. And sad for their families. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. It is. But let's let's uh, let's let's say hopefully. Um, Hopefully, we uh, have some good news when it comes to our books. Speaking of books, what do we got? I still had the mute button on. My my my, <laughs> my mistake. <Okay. laughs> uh, before we get into that, uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the local comic shops out there. Because without uh, all you guys out there, we wouldn't be able to be doing this. It's kind of realistically the lifeblood of the industry. Um, still, I'd say brick and mortar comic shops, because uh, it's not just uh, selling the comics. It's also where you can meet 
fellow comic fans and have discussions and and find new books and get interested in stuff it, it's it's great going online and and having the the comics right there on your phone or your computer or tablet or, or whatever device you use it on uh, but it just doesn't have that same interpersonal feel so having those pages in your hand and the smell exact the smell I mean, especially that yeah. old paper that smell um just like shout out to, to all you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you just say <laughs> really that, is, is. that is my that is that is my golden smell that that old uh newspaper print with the yeah. dried up glue just give it a sniff you can't get high it's off so of it good. but it does have no. a very very nostalgic smell yeah, yeah i and i got my copy of of green lantern uh which one was it one of the kyle rayner books it mm-hmm. had that that classic smell to it, and Angela just gave me the mm-hmm. weirdest look when I took the biggest whiff, <laughs> just flipping through the yeah. pages. There is, but it's, it's take, something it takes out. Yeah. There is absolutely nothing weird about that whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I wanted to do that that little shout out because I I've seen a lot of news over the past few months of various shops, uh, all over the place, uh, just having some hard times getting broken into things getting sold there was a shop somewhere i think in california got broken into twice this year uh one time the thieves took next to nothing like they didn't know what they were going for but the next time some hefty priced items uh were stolen and it is just ridiculous it's it's really sad to see uh it even happened maybe 10 15 years ago to my own lcs uh but again the thieves just took like they took a bunch of trading cards and random comic books, but they're all like dollar bin stuff. They had no idea what they had in their hands. <laughs> but it's, it's still a hit to the store, right? Yeah, exactly. It, and strange, I mean, yeah. not only are you uh, a punk enough to to uh, to to steal from a mom and pop store, but you're 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 punk enough to steal from one of the most struggling versions of a local business that's fucked up man um, that's not cool at all i have other no. words but i'll 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 remain civil yeah <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> um yeah it's, it's it's honestly just a shame to see that happen but it does happen to a lot of stores unfortunately uh, various like if if you own a shop you're going to be a victim to thievery at some point it's it's honestly just the the way it goes um but it is just a shame to hear it happen so much to our lcs because let's mm-hmm. face it with with the rise of digital reading it's becoming a dying industry which i think is a damn shame but so that's that's my shout out to you guys keep it up we do appreciate all the work y'all do it's always fun. I, I just hope the LCS by my work opens up soon because <laughs> it's been uh, closed for renovations and moving locations for maybe the past six months. And I've oh, been wow. itching oh, to no. just get in and look for old Green Lantern issues. But it, it just it, they're not even saying where they are. They're saying that the new location is somewhere in the intersection by my store. But they're not exactly saying where, but they're dropping picture hints on Instagram. And I'm looking at the picture. I'm trying to decipher where the hell this is. They've been doing it for the past five, six months. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. I, I'm, I'm assuming that they just got the intersection wrong. It's going to be like 50 miles away. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Oh, well. Hopefully. Let's see. 
Uh, okay, well, um, where are we? Yeah, so that was news. I got anything else to talk about, or is that about it? Um, that's about it. Other than, about God, it. I, damn it, I, I am gonna have to check my phone. I actually drove past a uh, local comic book shop where I'm at, and uh, I never knew about it. And it looks like it's been there for a really long time. So that just reminded me I have to get over there this weekend. Right on. If if <laughs> if for nothing, then to what it feels like to stand in the long boxes for an hour while you thumb through shit that you might never buy. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, yeah. or those walk away too dumping much. 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> usually what happens stack to of me. Books you gotta, or yeah. why not both? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's Standard invariably right for me, it's always like, I, yeah, I go in and I'm like, okay, I'm not buying anything, which is the first mistake because you never walk into a comic store and say, I'm not going to buy anything. You yeah. already, by walking in, you've doomed yourself. And then you, you start looking at the at the dollar bins, the long boxes, and you're like, well, I you know, I could use this issue, and oh, I didn't know they had that. I let me put that on the stack, and then it starts to build, and you walk out with like 30 fucking issues. You're like, yeah. damn it. I was trying not to spend money, <laughs> and I spent money. Yeah. I mean, that, that did happen to me. I spent maybe an hour and a half flipping through yeah. the numerous boxes, pulling out all sorts of Green Lantern issues, and I had to put down the stack of Guy Gardner Warrior copies I had because it was just getting too expensive. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're ever in Los Angeles, everyone knows this store, but Golden Apple Comics is like notorious for this because they have such a great collection of dollar bin issues. And I would literally go in and and just raid them like a like a badger, <laughs> just like thumbing through them and then walk out with a stack, like spending yeah, spending way too much money there. Is there anything in particular you look for? Or you just like see what there is and something interesting i usually just see what they're i mean it, it depends um sometimes i go in with something in mind but more yeah. often than not it's usually just like what's there oh i could use this i could also use this and then it's like you know like oh 20 I, I, issues I, I, haven't yeah. I haven't read that one yeah i mean that's that's how i built art, out but you know i'll read this one and then figure out if i want to hunt the rest of yeah that. that's that's how i built out a lot of <laughs> a lot of my my collections and runs i mean i've Yep. Like for example, like I was at uh, I was at Golden Apple and I was like, oh look at this a, a Nightwing book by Pete Tomasi and then I flipped through it and there was another one and another one and another one I'm like oh well I mean <laughs> I didn't know there was a whole run here let me just go through it and then I have like 15 issues and you know that that I had not planned to buy previously but I'm like well I mean hey, I, I, I like this team and I like the character and i never seen this run before, so let me, let me just, you know, let me just bring this home with me and see what it's about, and uh, the rest is history. There you go. Right. It's, it's that easy. You don't get that yeah. from an online store. And that's what I'm talking no, about. The, yeah. For me, it's the That hunt. is the fun. I yeah. don't know if it's the same for you. It's it's and, just and, and then of course you go in, up and to you, the... you shop hop and you just look for that one book you're looking for. When you find it, it's so much nicer. And then you go back oh, and yeah. look for the next one. Yep. Yeah. And then and of that's, course that's why I mean up to the glass and wishing you had two hundred dollars for that figurine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, like when I'm when I am. Yeah, when I am when I'm more flush with cash, I'm usually like, eh, I don't really need anything, and I don't go shopping for comics. But when when I'm less flush with cash, 
that's that's when that's when you want more stuff and you're like shit i can't i gotta compromise here i gotta drop some stuff Um, exactly yeah. (laughs) yeah okay so with that i think we'll get into some honorable mentions josh you want to tell us about what's going on this week there Honorable mentions. I've only got three this week. Uh, Blood, Blood Syndicate number six of six wrapped up the six issue introduction of season one. It was really good for those of us who who already knew what was going on with Blood Syndicate. Uh, they probably could have used another six issues to introduce people to the world of Blood Syndicate and maybe stretch this run out another two issues make it more approachable for everybody but hey uh i can't do anything about that now but i enjoyed it um nice house on the lake number 11 of 12 we are almost there ladies and gentlemen and and everything in between um i can't wait for the next issue of this because it is super awesome and batman urban legends number 21 it's uh it's urban legends, man. It's the it's the same old same old, which is not bad. Pretty good. Have a good time reading it anyway. Uh, also, um, I don't know if that should have been mentioned during the news or not, but because I'm not buying it. But the death of the Superman, death of Superman, thirtieth anniversary special and a special of edition of Superman number seventy five came out this week too. Um, like I said, I'm not picking it up, but uh, for those diehard Superman fans, I suggest getting out there. It's not cheap, but it's not going to be around forever, at least not in the first editions, and you know that's what you want. Yeah, that's actually something I might go to my other LCS and pick up, because I'm definitely interested in that one. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You can get a copy of Superman 75, the original copy for cheaper. I know. I've done it. Oh, it's, it's not, not necessarily that issue I'm looking for. It's all the the, uh, the bonus stories that you get out of them. I'm curious mm-hmm. about. I think it's four brand new stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Interesting. I did not know that. I saw the anniversary special, and I figured, oh, cool. There'll be a cool new cover uh, or... or uh, a bunch of interior art or or some shit but uh there's four new stories included huh yeah Interesting. at least from what i remember I'll have about to, i'll have to event. look into this further <laughs> right on yeah that right, was with, it for the honorable mentions man perfect uh so yeah very small list this week because <laughs> we're gonna talk about a lot of books today uh, so we're going to get into that first off with some quick bites. Uh, we're going to start off with Batgirls number 12. I'm going to hand it over to Brandon. Sure. I'm, I'm still not really sure what the length of this is supposed to be. You said it was supposed to be shorter than the yeah. yeah than the spotlights, which are shorter than the in-depth. So I was assuming it's like three sentences, which is pretty much what I have. The Batgirls take down Riddler and Mr. Fun's apartment. Also take down Killer Moth, Batgirl, checks in with the officer um, that she had met with in the previous issue, Calvin something, um, and uh, we get more developments with Grace O'Halloran, who has her first encounter with Mr. Fun, uh, as well as, uh, I guess, fun little tease for a villain that will be coming up next, our, our 
favorite Alice in Wonderland themed character, uh, Mr. Jervis Tetch, aka the Mad Hatter. Mad so Hatter. That, that's really all I have. I mean, I, I, I feel that's like really these are supposed to be pretty short. So, for, yeah, yeah, that's all there really was that happened in the comic book. I think that sufficed. It, I think it was like a really interesting way to route the issue. Um, I like the way the Batgirls ended up officially, unofficially working with the police. Uh, the art is to each their own. I don't hate it anymore. I am, in, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It doesn't bother me, and it was enjoyable enough. I'd give it a seven point five out of ten. Yeah, right on. Um, yeah, I, I'm loving these, this, these hints to the future that they're dropping. Uh, I am solely in the camp. I think that I hope Clue Master is alive because I really want to see another interaction between him and stephanie at least with the the place she's at now as a hero uh with Cass and and barbara and see just where that could go but that's just i think that's just me <laughs> uh so i gave it an 8.5 out of 10 right on. i wonder what we're going to talk about next uh yes so brandon did you give thoughts on the score I, did I? Um, no, it, uh, if I if I did not, I can I can reiterate. Uh, solid issue. Really didn't like the art in this one. It was very rough and kind of rushed, but uh, enjoyable enough um, story wise at least. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I'm kind of ambivalent with the Clue Master. I'm kind of like feel like we've we've done that many many times and Steph has, has already kind of moved on from that um in fact if you want to see what I think is the ultimate cathartic moment read Brian Q Miller uh's Batgirl run sort of towards the end where she has I think really final definitive moment with uh with her father um but I guess I guess we'll see what happens next uh but this one got a 7.5 for me right on Hey, Brandon and I scored something the same. That's crazy. I know. Freaky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go from Gotham all the way to not Themyscira, but someplace a little higher up. And that's in Wonder Woman number 793. Uh, this is brought to us from writers Becky Clunan and Michael W. Conrad, with pencils from Emanuela Lupacino, inks from Wade Von Grawbadger. Colors from Jordi Belair, letters from Pat Rousseau, and a beautiful cover from Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn. Uh, very simply put, uh, <laughs> Diana has gone up to the uh, Justice League Watchtower on the moon, where she is meeting none other than Superman and Batman for a little uh, powwow meetup, hey. you know, see where you're at kind of deal. But they instead come across members of the Justice League, who are not actually members of the Justice League, they're actually members of the Imperium, who may or may not be trying to attack the Earth, uh, but after a brief fight and capture of the Imperium, find out that it's, they're not actually trying to capture the Earth, they're just lost souls trying to find their way through the, the universe. Uh, so I thought it was, it was a brief pause to the, ongoing, uh, to the ongoing story to showcase the Trinity in an interesting little romp that may actually hold nothing to the future, but it was still uh, fun to see, it was nice somehow still felt a little off with the voices and the characters but i think when you have the trinity together in a relaxed setting they are always a little bit different than in the field for example or with anybody else so i didn't i didn't hate i actually rather enjoyed this one um 
eight out of ten. Not perfect. Wow. It's okay. All right, dude, the, the art is pretty good, but it's nothing to write home about. And this is a complete and total filler issue. Um, I, the Imperium, there's, I don't know if it's just me or if it's just because it's such a, maybe a common used uh, word in names, but is that is that a brand new thing? Because I feel like I've heard of it before. I think they were, and I could be wrong, but I think they were the enemies in the first episode of Justice League. Because at least design-wise, they look like it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I forgot to check it out. Maybe that's what it was. But um, the the, the Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, all of them are voiced atypically, like, completely fucking wrong. Uh, Wonder Woman talks to Batman and Superman like they barely know each other. But they make it a point to bring in all of the major current plots going on in the DC Universe so you know that it's in current timeline. Uh, and then after the whole fucking shebang, they have a group hug and eight Oreos. What the fuck did I read? I, this, this to me was absolute trash, man. I gave this a three out of ten. I was they ate so chocos, not Oreos. Whatever. Same thing. <laughs> fucking group hug. I didn't think that they could do worse than DuckTales, and they did. They so did. Hey, <laughs> Brandon, how did you feel about it? Or did you... Um, I... Oh no, no! I I had fun with this one. I mean, it's always nice seeing the uh, the Trinity together, um, and I I'm not against them having chacos or I don't know. It, it seems cute enough. I'm surprised they didn't have John there, but um, yeah. since that is his favorite. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, it was it was as you said, it was a, a fun romp, which is is nice to to kind of have that breather. Definitely. I guess technically filler since it doesn't really advance anything, but um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really hate that, so um, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, so I gave this one a, a seven point five out of ten as well. You guys making me the bad guy there. <laughs> Somebody just don't like to see heel. heroes have fun. I guess I don't mind seeing heroes have fun. <laughs> That's a fuck. I love Wally as the Flash. That whole thing is fun when they're not fucking with. And they haven't been lately. But Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman having a group hug on the couch, man, that is really stretching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great googly moogly. Uh, I, I thought it was cute. Yeah, they're like yeah. best friends. I mean, they're, yeah, they're friends. Do you, do you not they're hug your like, friends? They're like family. Well, yeah. But oh, I not, hope so. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Those three would exactly be sharing a group hug on the couch. I don't know. It's it's not like I'm opposed to it. It's just the whole feel of the issue, man. It was just yeah. It it like a, it it did feel a little off, but I couldn't quite place my finger on how. But I still enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> that, that was me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of Batman, we're gonna go talk about Batman, but not Batman. Batman. No. The other. The other Batman. Not the Batman, and, uh, just Batman. Yeah, just Batman. Written by John Ridley, we have I Am Batman number 15 with art from Cal Moster, Romulo Friardo Jr. on colors, and 
lettering from Tori Petiri with a cover from Christian Deuce and Rex Locus. Uh, so Batman beat Whitaker to death and nearly killed himself, but no, he's tripping. There's a lot of tripping going on in DC right now. Anyway, it turns out that it's Sinestro of all people messing with him. It seems Pariah sent him there specifically to kill Jace. Sinestro is really pulling his fears out of him and messing him up pretty bad. Jace overcomes it after Sinestro gives him some weird shaped construct of something. I don't know what the hell that, if that was supposed to be a ring or what. Batman turns it into a lantern glove, whoops his ass. Um, somehow one of his fears was the way that he turned down uh, John when he asked for help with Dark Crisis, and now he's heading over there. Um, does he still have the glove? I don't know. It disappeared. <laughs> it was never mentioned of after that. Uh, I mostly enjoyed the art. Some panels I was not a fan of, and Sinestro as a twist in this story, it just it comes out of nowhere. And it's very unusual to use as a catalyst. Um, there could have been literally anything. It could have just been his 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 own conscience that said, you know, hey, maybe I should have gone and done this. But no, of all fucking people, it's Sinestro. Um, it's a pivotal moment for the character, a very big one, and it felt kind of overwhelming, or excuse me, underwhelming and over the top at the same time. Uh, it's it's not a bad read, but it's kind of a bummer from the book that I've been reading so far. Uh, not horrible, but it could have been could have been something real good. Uh, Seven point five out of ten. Yeah, Brandon, what do you think? I uh, did not get a chance to read this one, so I I will take you guys' word for it. You guys, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, maybe not take my word for it right now, because I, I I was very critical of this issue because Sinestro was involved. <laughs> so there's no um, reason to not be honest. Yeah, it's it is a, another brief pause, like we just saw in Wonder Woman, from the ongoing stories to give us what I think is a very one-sided matchup, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jace is so new in the hero business. And Sinestro is so experienced as a lantern. There's no way Jace could just beat him with a yellow construct, like physically beat him. It made no sense to me. It was so How out of character for Sinestro. Did he give? Did Sinestro give him a ring? You know, like what the and, hell was that supposed to be? Was the it whole like, thing made no sense? <laughs> Optimus it's, Prime handing you a spark. I mean, what yeah. the fuck? Well, that, that little bobble and spiked thing that I think that was Sinestro saying, I'm going to put this in your brain and blow it up. Like that's, that was just his little cute little way of being evil, but it was still, that might've been the only sinestro thing going on. <laughs> it was, it was very, very weird. Um, quite honestly, 6.5 out of 10. It was, it, the, the art is still good. Uh, it still has that I am Batman feel. I do enjoy the ongoing adventures of Jace Fox, but Sinestro kind of killed it for me this time. I don't know. It's, it's just really off-center. It. I had a pun for late, but now I forgot it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's shown Sinestro in a very different light, I think is what I was going to say. But, but yeah, it was very weird. Yeah. Shown Sinestro in a different light. <laughs> but um ting. Yeah.
<laughs> that's funny. Um, the two. Yeah, I guess that's it for that one. You wanna what? What's what's going up next on on uh, on this segment of the show? Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned John Kent being denied something. Uh, so we're gonna talk about John no, Kent John right now. Kent. Superman, Son of Cattle, number seventeen, which you is written by Tom John Taylor. Kent. Okay. You know nothing, John Kent. <laughs> Uh, so, so this one was written by Tom Taylor with art from Kian Tormey and Gurari Coleman with colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr., letters from Dave Sharp, and a cover from Travis Moore and Tamara Bonvillain. Simply put, uh, John is enjoying some father-son time with Clark as they're racing across the galaxies. Uh, on the way back, uh, John tries to have a heart-to-heart with Clark about his bisexuality and coming out to him, but just couldn't do it. Uh, meanwhile, in Metropolis, a character that's going by the name of Red Sin has some high-tech suits, uh, which may or may not have claimed his parents' life. He activates it, and his apartment blows up. John comes to the rescue, but Red Sin has the upper hand on him, uh, apparently sapping John's powers to the point that he can bleed and be beaten by a wooden chair. Uh, Clark shows up just in time to help him. They take him to uh, Dr. Midnight's Infirmary, where he heals up, and then Clark gets to meet Jay Nakamura. They finally have the little heart-to-heart father-son moment, and it's very cute. Meanwhile, Lex Luthor has one of the Gamora core that he's butchering very uh, surgically for some unknown reason. Uh, so this issue, at least for me, hit really close to home, uh, just with all the shit that's been going on in my life this year. Plus, you know, I, I've said before, I see myself in John Kent. Really, really good issue. Uh, but it does feel like things are starting to wind down as realistically they should, seeing as I think there's only one more issue after this. But this one had, was full of great moments. There's nothing but just moments, really. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think the art was was on point. The story's still interesting. I wish it was ongoing because this whole uh, going back to the the diamond uh, numbering was on points fantastic eight point five out of ten. Eight point five. How about you, Brian? Uh, much like another book we're going to discuss later, it is a book filled with good moments, but a story that just doesn't really hold it together for me, and I'm not that interested in so. It's kind of hard to defend it in that sense because as nice as it is to have these great heart-to-hearts with John and Clark, I just wish I cared more about the Red Mist stuff and all that because, I mean, there's only an issue left, so I don't know how the hell they're going to try and wrap that all together, but it, it really just isn't that interesting or appealing to me at this moment. So I gave this a 7 out of 10. Fair enough. Uh, honestly... Um... And, uh, you know, for me, I didn't have any life experiences that would allow me to parallel myself with John, uh, like, like, like you did, Rob. But, um, for me, I mean, his dad's Clark Kent. His dad loves literally everybody. He, his dad even loves bad guys for fuck's sake. There, I feel like there was no reason to, to, to stretch this out as long as it did. It just it occupied way too much of the comic book this this whole talk between John and Clark the the potentiality of it uh, eventuality of it um 
there could have been a lot more dedicated to Redson and setting up whatever this Project Blackout shit is. Um, I can't even really tell what Redson's deal is. Is is he crazy or are they crazy? Uh, was he talking to a picture when he was in the, his house? I, I couldn't tell. Um, the art is good like always, but honestly the issue this time wasn't much of anything. I just... I hate to say it, but man, this felt like it was kind of phoned in. Writing the emotional thing, I understand it, and it probably was just lost on me. But um, it was just—it was just stretched out so much, almost like page filler for me. I gave it a six out of ten. I, I can definitely agree that it took uh, quite a long time to get to that point, and even I was wondering, like. Your, your dad's Superman. He's maybe the nicest guy in the universe and very understanding when it comes. His best friend is Batman. He needs to be an understanding person. <laughs> so I don't think he's going to have any problem here. <laughs> yeah, if he can keep... Jesus, yeah, that ain't no yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that is our brief... Uh, quick bite segment of the episode. Now we're going to shine a bright light on some spotlight books, some new number ones, and a mini series ending this week. Starting off, we're going to look at Wildcats number one, and Mr. Brandon's going to tell us all about that. All right. My, uh, my pleasure. Um, come on. Here we go. Wildcats number one. This is from Matthew Rosenberg with art from Steven Segovia and colors from Elmer Santos. It is a reintroduction to our favorite 90s image heroes. Wildcats number one follows our current line of, of the cats, Grifter, Zealot, and Deathblow. After a botched mission to collect a scientist, Halo Corporation leader and Wildcats founder Jacob Marlowe assigns a new member for the team, one Caitlin Fairchild from Gen 13, if they still exist in this universe. Um, after another mission to recruit a too, scientist so. <laughs> goes sideways, the cats attempt to flee, only to fall into an even more sinister place with some sinisterly nocturnal company. Um, really solid first issue, I have to say. Definitely kind of throws you into the thick of it. Um, and, and I will say, and I would be hypocritical if I didn't, uh, it would definitely help if you had a bit more of a familiarity with the team, much like Blood Syndicate, uh, because it doesn't really explain all that much who a lot of these characters are. You get brief descriptions of who they are, Zealot and Deathblow and Grifter, obviously, um, but, you know, like Fairchild or Marlowe, or they don't say it outright, but his bodyguard is Spartan, um, who I imagine, based on the fact that he's on the cover, will be... Uh, another component of the team uh, later in the series. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that, if, if you're not familiar with the Wildcats' history and some of these characters, it could really throw you for a loop, which is not always what you want for a number one issue. Um, so I, I would be a hypocrite if I said it's entirely reader-friendly, where I had also kind of uh, you know chided Blood Syndicate for the same thing. So... For that, it does kind of lose points, but for those of us who do know the Wildcats and know the team's history pretty well, um, it's definitely a pretty fun reintroduction to them. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see how this story with the uh, the sinister nocturnal company, I don't want to give away the, the goose too much, but uh, I want to see how that plays out. I'm not really sure. Um, and as a final point, the Cats are no longer a, a uh, covert action team, because I guess that's a little too 1992 
They're a crisis aversion team, uh, which is fitting considering we have a million crises every year. Um, so they are DC's oh, yeah. premier crisis av team, as as Grifter calls them. Um, and uh, we'll see we'll see exactly how these crises are averted in uh, future issues. But it's it's an interesting take on um, you know the the team's uh, purpose uh, moving forward. So this one got an an eight point five out of ten for me. But I guess in a practical sense, probably more like an 8 out of 10 overall, just because it really does kind of throw you into the deep end. It doesn't give you a lot of context for these characters. Uh, Brandon, man, <laughs> I, I opened this book, and I'm not even bullshitting you. That thought never even crossed my mind. <laughs> like I mean, even I, from the you know the first page, they have like the Carabim Damonite origin, which is straight out of the original series. And if you don't know what that is, you're just like, what the fuck? I don't like. I already know Thanagarians and Ranians. I don't know who the fucking Carabim <laughs> and Damonites are. It's it's too much. So it it can be a lot to process. I understand that. Yo, but yeah. I, uh, I I I completely completely ignored the fact that some. I'm going to adjust my score, but let me just give it to you the way that I was going to because, man, this fucking issue is, it's it's stellar. Everything was just right. The artwork was so good. Colors were right on fucking point. Everybody was just like they should be. Um, them coming from somewhere else through the multiverse, uh, I guess that makes sense. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out are, are they on our universe now, or are they or our our Earth, or are they on a different Earth now? But well, I don't know if that's the actual origin. It's 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 sort of it's the recurring gag that Grifter is kind of you know messing around with these stories, and you don't know if they're actually true. So that might have just been a fun Easter egg. But um, we we it seems like we don't know what the actual origin of the cats are right now. Are you, are you talking about the story he told in the bar? Yeah. No, this is at the beginning of the issue. I think the bar is it's supposed to be like a DC versus vampires joke. Or wait, no, DC. Uh, DC, yeah. Apocalyptic ones fixed, yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, in any case, it's it's action packed. It's humor packed. It's danger packed. It's fuck. It's pure Wildcats. I loved it. Uh, bravo, Rosenberg. Bravo. Uh, I gave it a 9.5. Now, considering that maybe there should have been some kind of an introduction to these characters, um, I'll adjust that, but not by much. I'm going to take it down to a 9. I fucking, I, I just, I love this so much. Like, I'm going to read this again after we get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, um, I, for one, have absolutely no history with any of these characters besides what we've seen with Grifter recently uh, and as for the rest of the characters I know nothing I never read Wildcats I have no background and I still freaking love this issue <laughs> I don't know if that, that intro page is has any weight to it at all if that was something from the 90s series or what I don't know but I thought it was funny uh, Grifter trying to pawn that off as an actual origin story um just a mess with a guy <laughs> uh this this issue is loads of fun i'm i'm kind of sad it's a limited series already because uh, if this is the first issue that that usually is a good sign um i i know i was matthew rosenberg hasn't really disappointed me yet so i was already going into this kind of excited and i've enjoyed what i've seen with grifter recently as well so i figured this was going to be a, a thrill ride and it was 
there could be so much to explore i think i just don't get why dc won't take a chance on on more characters and books it's unless this was rosenberg's choice i don't know but it it just seems like there's more and more limited series and less and less ongoings it's kind of a shame but fingers crossed we'll get the rom b treatment from the swamp thing deal where we'll get another six issues that would be sick that would be good yeah definitely i'm down for it did they do we know how many issues this is six i don't think they've said but my guess would probably be 12 um but oh well okay i'll take 12 i'll take 12 fucking wildcats hell yeah yeah uh, as uh, as for Scoro, I gave a nine out of ten. I, I thought it was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. I would say check out the original Wildcat series, but it's 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 not good. It's it's definitely oh, yeah. the best of the original Image Founder books, but it's um, that's not a that's not a high standard. Um, it it is very entertaining though. I will say, the the first well, issue has a quote that uh, that. I think almost two years later has still stuck with me, which is they meet Voodoo, who is like a, a stripper and is also secretly a, a Carabim, um, you know, has Carabim blood, um, and, they're, and they're tracking her down. And Grifter walks into the strip club for the first time and he says, The Lord loves a working woman. And the bartender says, Amen to that. And it's so terrible <laughs> that it stuck with me for two years. Um, I can I can send you the panel too. It'll get it. You oh, get yeah. a good chuckle I'll out love of it. it. <laughs> I, I'll I'll definitely oh, check God. it out. I'll give it a shot. I can't say I'll get mm-hmm. too far into it, but <laughs> I'll definitely give it yeah. a shot. Really, you you only need to read the first four. I mean, it became an ongoing title once you know it did well, but all of them were originally only planned to be miniseries. So you can really just read the. First first four issues and that's technically a complete story it's not a great one but it is technically one fair just remember i liked it i still like it um but just you got to go into it remembering that it's written in the 90s and it's written by people who are trying to definitely make a name for their brand new company right who did write it Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. Oh, we actually did that. Okay. Childhood. Yeah. I thought Jim Lee was just doing the art. Mm-mm. Okay. I'll think. Dude, Brandon Choi, that name sounds so familiar. Is he still I in the think game? he did pretty much all of Jim Lee's stuff in the 90s and then disappeared off the face of the earth. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. Unless maybe he disappeared. Maybe he yeah, disappeared into the multiversity. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, who better to look for him than Team Justice and their sixth and final issue? Speaking of a mini series, uh, so this one is written by Danny Lore and Ivan Cohen, with art from Marco Faella, colors from Enrica Aaron Angelini, uh, and. The letters from Carlos and Manguel. The cover from Robbie Rodriguez. Uh, so we have the Teen Justice team going up against the Lantern Corps. Uh, C-O-R-E Corps. Uh, led by Sinestra. <laughs> oh, that pisses me off. 
don't get me started. Uh, so Jess Quick is the only one left standing uh, to go up against Sinestra herself. Uh, so they take all of Team Justice as far away as possible after Sinestra threatens to kill every single one of them, all the way to Amnesty Island in Maine, home of none other than Aquawoman. Uh, they start to regroup, realizing all the stuff that's going on and, and dealing with their fears, having lost Raven and potentially losing their mentors and their own lives, and realizing they are the only ones able to save the world. Uh, but Jess is running around being the flashiest they can be, going up yeah. against the Lantern Corps very, very easily, I might add. Taking down uh, Kilowog, which I think I saw was there was a different name for Kilowog recently, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, Kilowog, Kyle, and uh, I think that's Badge. Jillowog. Leaving. Okay. Eh? I said Jillowog. Oh, oh goodness. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Uh, oh, no, Stel, Stella is actually, it's it's Stella, uh, not just Stella. Stella is uh, <laughs> taken out as well, leaving just Sinestra and Jess to duke it out. Uh, meanwhile, Team Jess is trying to figure out how they're going to get back to the fight, but they discover that Troy has hidden uh, Wonder Man's invisible jets just in Amnesty Island Bay, um, just in the water, thanks to Aquaman. So they fly back just in time to get found by Sinestra, uh, and they all start to have a big fight, the core and Teen Justice going up against each other. Meanwhile, Gigi has had a ring in her bag this whole time, and decides with the core trying to take out Teen Justice and succeeding, she's going to put on a ring, and then we find out Gigi stands for Georgia Gardner warrior oh my god <laughs> so uh georgia gardner fresh with a green lantern ring does not get a green lantern happy. costume has a kind of a kick-ass warrior's costume and uh just takes the fight straight to sinestra beats her with the power of their own rings and saves the day uh just then the i think they were just called the justice league i don't quite remember what their team name was returns from their or their uh, universal adventure, safe and sound. Carol gets the dire news that Hal the Green Lantern has died, but always had her in his heart. Uh, and she takes Sinestra far away, and uh, yeah, offers Georgia Gardner a spot as a Star Sapphire. And here, I will be honest, is where it gets a little muddy for me. Because I was reading this late Monday, Monday or no, Tuesday, what day is today? Wednesday? Must have been last night. Really late last night. And I kept dozing off and I had to reread the last three pages like five times each. So <laughs> it's a little muddy. But from what I understand, um, Hal's ashes are being taken away by Green Arrow uh, on a cross country tour. Uh, and. Teen Justice is safe and sound once again with Georgia Gardner now a full on member but with Raven gone who knows what might come next as we see some devil horns popping out of some kind of liquid which may or may not be Trigon uh, so there's a the end with a question mark who knows maybe we will see more of these characters I honestly certainly hope so it, it was a lot of fun 
I'm hoping there's more to come. Uh, suffice it to say, this is easily the best Green Lantern story we've had in the past two years. So I'm all about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I was I was actually wow. super excited to have uh, Georgia Gardner. I thought that was awesome. Uh, it, it's just been a fun look into this universe. Uh, I really do hope we get more. And I know, I think we, we said when this series started off, there's no reason they can't do more multiversity stories and give us a, a little bit of exploration into the multiverse that stands right now. I think that's that's a lot of fun because honestly, the Elseworlds titles, all the fun of it was seeing what you could do with the characters we already know and love. And there's so much you can do. So bring it on. Okay. Uh, I gave this, I thought I wrote down my score, but it seems to have been deleted. So <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Um, I believe I scored it an 8.75. Well, that's fair yeah. enough. Yeah. That sounds right. Did you read this one, Brandon? I did. It was quite a bit of fun. Um, I, I'm i blanking on when Hal died. I, I don't really remember that. Um, but it was... Wasn't wasn't really shown. It was kind of shown in flashbacks. Okay. I think when Aqua Girl was on that alien planet and she found all the rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, yeah, oh, yeah, I they I, were in I a cave or something. This. Right? Yeah, I I because they they do mention like uh, Carol has a line um, uh, where she's like. Uh, you know, he he wasn't who I hoped he'd be, um, and I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think they would do it, but they actually did it, um, which is a reference for those who read the Green Lantern season two um, from, gosh, I guess almost two years ago. Um, you know that version of of how Ferris, I think his name one was was like a total douche. He was like a like a dude bro and a yeah. sexist. Um, and 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 that was like oh you you actually got to remember that 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 version of how was a terrible person but at least he tried to die a hero um, which you know is a, is a good way to kind of try and tie everything together um, and I I still love this this costume that uh, that uh, Carol has I wish that would be her, her standard costume um, but uh, you know aside from that definitely fun and I'm I'm right there with you I hope they do more multiversity type stuff just exploring the different worlds because uh, as you said there's just a you know, unlimited amount of potential in it, um, and, uh, and hopefully they can just mine that for as much as they can. So this one got an eight out of ten for me. It was uh, it was very fun. I don't know why Hal is in his classic costume um, or or his his Earth Prime costume and like the yeah. the obituary thing that they have. Because as I remember, his was like a like a douchey dude bro tank top or something. I can send you a picture. It, it looks ridiculous, but it, it makes sense for the character. Yeah, I, I don't quite remember the costume he had, but I do remember that it was different. So I was also kind of confused why why that costume was in the picture. Mm-hmm. Wait, Josh, did you already give your idea here? No. Um, oh. Okay, so I thought that this was an okay issue for this book, um, like. Finally, it was a okay issue. I enjoyed this one. Um, Georgia Gardner showing up. Uh, there were a couple cool moments in it, but I just I have not been into this run whatsoever. I'm not 
opposed to getting miniseries of the multiverse. I just didn't dig the way that this one was told. Um, yeah, pretty de pretty decent average run, um, run of the mill ending. Honestly, I gave it a six out of ten. I didn't hate it. I just didn't really dig the story. Well, fair enough. It's each their own. Yeah. Um, now, uh, well, now we got the big ass issue for our spotlight yeah. this week. Yeah, we're going from the future all the way to the past. Uh, and that's the what the new and the a couple spots golden. in between. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good point. We're going all over the place. <laughs> we're going back to the future and forward again. And dear God, yeah, Tal Jordan's costume was horrible. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, exactly. it's it's not it's not horrible. Uh, it's certainly different. the The Green Lantern logo is really weird, but it's. I would uh, expect to see something that looks like that on costume. Kyle before I saw it on Hal. Yeah, as, as I said, yeah. it's more fitting for the character in the context of the story. Yeah, like I, I was gonna I say, I could it. see it on on somebody like Guy, and Hal might yeah. just be like Guy in this world, so <laughs> maybe yeah. worse. Yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, we're on to the new Golden Age, and I, I think Josh it. is gonna tell us all about that one. No, actually, Brandon's going to because this is his bread and butter, man. Yes, yes. Well, I, you, you pass it over to me because, as you mentioned, there are quite a number of plot points, and I, I did my best to try and simplify it enough that we could fit it into the spotlight section while also making sure we try and cover as much as we can. Um, but yes, this is the new Golden Age number one, written by Jeff Johns with a battalion of people on the artistic team. Uh, art from Steve Lieber, Diego Olertegui, Jerry Ordway... Todd Nock, Victor Bogdanovich, Scott Collins, Brandon Peterson, and Gary Frank with colors from Nick Filardi, John Kalish, Matt Herms, Jordan Word, I can't say, so I just wrote Boyd, and Brand, Brand, Brad Anderson with letters from Rob Lee. So, to make a, a very long story short, uh, something is trying to kill the Justice Society of America all across time both in the past, present, and future, all versions of Dr. Fate are haunted by visions of lost children, murdered Dr. Fates, and a stranger at the bloody center of it all. In the distant past of the 1940s, after seeing this vision, Kent Nelson is assured by his fellow teammates that he will have allies to stand by him in the coming chaos. In the modern day, Khalid Nasur is also haunted by these visions, and he and Detective Chimp enlist the help of Dead Man to bring the spirit of Halhet out of the helm of fate, hoping she may have some answers where Nabu did not. The Stranger also haunts a young Helena Wayne, the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Despite their best attempts to shield her from the life of heroes, it seems that Helena, following the discovery of her father's secret identity as Batman and Batman's death not too long after this discovery, will be pulled into the life of heroism as Huntress with a mission to ensure that the stranger's dark past, no, the stranger's dark plans do not come to pass. Finally, we have the Time Masters who are on the case of the missing 13 heroes that were removed in the timeline as seen in Flashpoint Beyond, number six, as well as trying to track down some of the loose ends from Doomsday Clock, like Mime and Marionette's Kid, and the mysterious new fangirl of Ozymandias, the young woman called Nostalgia. And that is pretty much everything in this issue, so I'm I'm proud of myself that I was able to condense it that much. 
we are also treated to some fun who's who pages of the 13 characters who were removed from the timeline in the back of the book, and you can check those out. It's always a fun nod to the who's who pages from the 80s. Um, but aside from that, really, really great issue. I think this kind of big time, you know, cosmic-spanning story is exactly what the JSA needs right now just a big exciting story to get people talking about them again and, and excited to read about them again and uh, you know even the title which I, i've mentioned in the past is is evocative of you know the JS, one of the jsa's most classic stories the golden age from uh, from james robinson and um paul smith back in like 1994 i think which was sort of uh, a, a retelling of, of the jsa history um, uh, you know, right up until the, uh, I think, 60s or something like that. Um, but it really deals with, you know, the formation of the team up until their dissolution after the HUAC hearings and everything. Um, and we actually have some, some fun nods to that here, which is also really nice. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it's, you know, it's definitely involving a lot of stuff, and that's to be expected. There are a lot of plot threads that I think johns has has wanted to tackle for a while now um and uh, is is getting the chance to do so while also writing his his favorite team as well and and uh and i know that the the golden age is is one of his favorite uh titles as he's mentioned a couple times so it's it's fitting that uh this this book is is paying homage to that um but yeah great art really interesting engaging story i'm i'm interested to see where it goes I imagine there's going to be some discourse on the new 13 heroes. I'm not going to list them all here, um, but you can check that out in the issue itself. Um, but suffice it to say, I really have no problem with it because, as we discussed earlier in Discord, a lot of the characters in the Golden Age kind of had their publishing history cut short when sales started to dip around the late 40s. So there's this weird kind of period where a lot of these characters were just in limbo and, and didn't have a lot of stories and I think that's the perfect opportunity to just try, try and fill in that space and say, hey, well, you know, while they were not being actively published, here's a lot of the stuff that they got the chance to do. So I know I know at least for, you know, uh, Alan Scott, I'm, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with the Red Lantern character because of, of all the characters, and I actually had to go through this one with like a fine-tooth comb, but of all the characters that did not have the the opposite villain you know where you have a villain that's just the opposite of you like jay garrick had the rival and you know superman has bizarro and all that stuff like uh, it, it was shocking to me that that jay never had that they never they never stooped that low and and did the laziest type of villain that you could have um so <laughs> having having alan with his his you know polar opposite lantern if you will um where he's representing u.s interests and this is a soviet lantern a red lantern they're they're opposite um should should be interesting and I'm, I'm wondering what his origins will be i hope they don't try and connect it with the core my hope is they try and keep it more mystical in origin to to kind of counteract um alan's origin but uh, we'll see but there's a lot of interesting stuff being set up here and, and my hope is they just really try and uh, explore as much as they can and, and just do the the jsa justice um always been a fan of the team and it's great that they're kind of taking the spotlight for a little bit um and my hope is that they can really tell some great stories with that so uh, this one got a nine out of ten with me or nine out of ten from me very excited to see how all this stuff plays out in the next couple months yeah um yeah shit <laughs> you're gonna have to forgive me for what i'm about to say uh brandon um because i'm talking about stuff you were leaving out uh the art 
and it it is really good oh, yeah, in most everywhere throughout the book. Uh, colors worked really, really good. Uh, so that's always a plus. I am going to admit, I haven't revisited any of these stories in a while, so my memory, unfortunately, has kind of let me down with this book. But I remember bits and pieces, um, and it, t t it wrapping everything together, it, it, it was... It was, I mean, Jeff Johns did it pretty damn good, at least to set up uh, a Justice Society series that's coming. Um, bunch of new shit introduced, some serious stuff went down. Um, Helena Wayne is now a thing, um, like, for sure, real. Dr. Fate is dead, or isn't he? I can't tell right now. I think he might be dead, <laughs> or is that just the future? The future version of Dr. Fate is dead. The, the others are, you know, they're still alive. So present day Khalid is is still alive. Yeah, no, he just he just had a dark vision. Okay, all right. Um, now Brandon, I'm I'm gonna need your help here. Now the Harlequin's son, I'm I'm that's a new character, right? That's brand new. That's that is a new character. Bad. Yes. All right, but Soviet lanterns, Salem, the Boom, Ladybug, Quiz Kid, uh, John Henry Jr., and Cherry Bomb. Are those existing characters? Those are yeah. These are these are all new characters. Um, and, and like I said, we don't we don't have characters. to you know. Yeah, like I said, we well with the exception of the the Golden Age Aquaman because that's literally just the Golden Age Aquaman. Um, but and Mister Miracle um, too, right? Yeah, well, that's yeah. Thaddeus. Brown yeah, and that's that's just yeah, that's Thaddeus Brown, the the old one. But they're they're sort of retconning that he had a you know a Golden Age past, um, whereas previously he was just the guy. That uh, that trained Scott Free back in the original Mister Miracle series in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, I'm digging that. Um, but yeah, there's so much crazy shit that's happening here. I hope Jeff Johns delivers. He's got an awful lot of books to be able to do so. So, um, you know, maybe maybe he definitely just needs more than three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna say the name of it. But in any case, new Golden Age number one, which I believe is a one-shot. Yeah, this is just set up for Justice yes. Society. All right. This one gets a 9 out of 10 from me. All right, so, yeah, the new Golden Age is looking bright. Bright and shiny like gold. I cannot like wait diamond. to see how this mystery unfolds. It was fantastically written. Uh, the the different art styles depending on the time period was really well done. Um, my only gripe is that Khalid Nasur seems a little too green as a hero. Yeah. To the point that he's at now, where we've seen him in Justice League Dark and other stories more recently, he's been fate for a while now. He's still learning some ropes, but he's confident enough in himself and his abilities as Dr. Fate, that he knows what he's doing. But yep, this version right. of Khalid just seemed like he got the helmet a month ago. Really, yeah, that really was a weird. Little weird. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I, I love the whole thing. It's uh, 9 out of 10. And if, if I may, I think The Stranger, I don't know if you guys got the same vibe, but I think it's per Degaton. I thought so too, but I, I was like, I don't know, because... Per Paradegaton is, I mean, it would it would not be surprising. And they had the um, 
what was it? They had that story in the short story that, that Jeff and Brian Hitch did in uh, the Stargirl um, right. Spring Break special, where I yeah. think they were they were doing some stuff with Paradegaton. Um, and I, I thought it might be uh, old school villain from the JSA, part of the Injustice Society of America. Um, yeah. Who had also and, brushed up um, against the Time Masters on more than one occasion. Yes. Um, and I was I was thinking I was like well yeah that would make sense, but I noticed that this version and it could just be an art thing but I noticed that this version looked a lot younger, so I thought maybe this is like because they're you know they're talking about the lost children and it's about legacy and the JSA and all that stuff I was like maybe it's Paradegaton's kid, who mm. you know is trying to kind of inherit his dad's legacy, and thus wants to bring down all versions of the JSA to really kind of honor that legacy. That's total speculation, but it, it kind of looked like if Pear Be- if Pear Degaton ever had a kid, this would be it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It makes That'd a lot of sense. Brandon gone and psychic again. I also just wanted to point out I love the uh the the old school nineties style um what do they call them? The the fact sheets on all the new characters. Yeah. Yeah, the who's who pages. Yeah. 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 Those are really uh, cool to see. That's it's it's always a fun throwback. Um yeah. And even the art style for each one was very (laughs) nineties. It looked like like the the nineties paper. Mm -hmm. Well who's who I think was an eight I mean you Josh, you would know better than me. This would have been your time, but I think who's who was was the eighties. Um and then I I think they started phasing them out roughly um either in the late late 80s or early 90s or something like that um but i think they i think you, they you can... stopped in the very early 90s like 91 92 yeah um but yeah um, that was definitely an 80s thing i know uh the pages like that though they had periodically in like the the secret files and origins one shots yeah and in mm-hmm. scattered throughout they'd have those those fact pages for certain characters as well yes yeah Always fun. Always fun. It's been a while since we've had a secret origins or secret files. Anything. I don't know how much yeah, those were ever really been... enjoyable. I, I always enjoyed them when I was still was learning Batman about the characters. Files. But, yeah. yeah, it's really just Batman that, that does it these days. I mean, they used to have them, you know, for, for a lot of different teams' characters, but it seems like Batman is the only one who really has the, the secret files now because you don't see, you know, Superman secret files or Wonder Woman secret files. Um, because Batman's the guy with the files. Yeah, he's I guess so. Yeah, I, he's it's, the only it's one really who has files find, uh, in the entire DC universe. It, it's really hard to find the filing cabinet of the Invisible Jet. You know. Yeah. Well, it's just everyone else is like they're not computer savvy at all. Not even yeah. like characters who well, are made of computers. Okay, so Superman stores everything <laughs> in a crystal, right? Yeah. And then Wonder Woman person? doesn't rely on memory. She just uses the lasso of truth to find out everything. Yeah. She doesn't have like a notebook or a scroll or something. Can't remember it's everything. You got to write down some stuff sometimes. Yeah. Secret talent is that it can talk to inanimate objects too. She's just like, tell me what's going on here. <laughs> Come on, chair. What happened? Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I think the spotlight has gone out. 
Yeah, the batteries are kind of running low. We are out of spotlight books for this week. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, stick around. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. I know you stuck around. I can hear you. Not in a creepy way. Not in a creepy way. I just, I know you're there. I hear you breathing. It's creepy with me. Breathe, breathe a little quieter. I'm trying to do a show here. Okay, so we're back. We're doing our in-depth reviews, and we're going to start off with Batman Incorporated number two. We're going corporate. Oh, no. And I believe not Brandon is going to tell us about that. Not yeah, not too corporate. Yes, yeah, not too corporate. We're uh, yeah. yeah, we're free agents here. We don't represent any corporations, but Batman does. Uh, in Batman Inc. Number Two, this is from Ed Brisson with art from John Timms, colors from Rex Locus, and letters from Clayton Cowles. The various members of Batman Inc. are working their hardest to solve the mystery of the century: who is killing off Ghostmaker's old teachers? In Canada, Raven Red and El Gaucho uncover that one Ghostmaker, one of Ghostmaker's old mentors, had been selling chemical weapons. In Suriname, Jiro and Grey Wolf are trapped by the master traps maker who also trained Ghostmaker, and who nearly kills the two before they are rescued by a mysterious red-themed hero. In Moscow, Avery Oblonsky also lures Knight and Wingman into another trap before they are also saved by a mysterious red-themed hero. Back in Dublin, Dark Ranger and Black Mist discussed whether Ghostmaker really might be behind all of these murders, given that his sword is at the scene of Tommy Tavane's death. Finally, back in Shanghai, Ghostmaker's reunion with Sky Spider goes about as unpleasantly as you might expect. As she leaves, Ghostmaker, an explosion kills her and leaves Ghostmaker disgruntled. In addition to this, Clown Hunter has gone missing, kidnapped by the murderer, seemingly behind everything. And that murderer is Ghostmaker's old sidekick? Calling himself Phantom One, he plans to save Ghost... No, he plans to save Clown Hunter from a fate he knows too well. I swear these names, I, I just get them interchanged every time. And, like, I literally have it written down, and I still get them fucked up. But anyway, um, Batman Inc. number two. I, I, I have to say, I mean, I... I Enjoyed the first issue. Um, I don't think it was on when you guys were talking about it, but I, I enjoyed the first issue. Or no, I think it was. Um, and, uh, and I remember thinking that was you know pretty solid start. Um, but uh, but I think this one was even better actually. Like I I, I will admit it, it does jump around a lot, and it must be hard juggling all the various members of Batman Inc. who are you know all across the globe right now. But it's it's fun. It's it feels like a, a really fast paced international thriller um which it is kind of um and and we're just catching up with all the various members we're trying to get down to the bottom of this um i will say they they gave away the mystery of of who's actually behind these murders maybe a little bit too early because it is only issue two and it leaves me wondering how long this arc is supposed to be um like i thought they might have teased it out for at least one or two more issues but we're really just kind of getting right down to it so the question is now that clown hunter knows how soon will the rest of them figure out I guess we'll have to see, um, but uh, aside from that, yeah, I think this one actually stepped it up from the previous issue, which I thought was solid, and uh, definitely not what I expected in, in the way of a murderer. Um, you know, I mean, Ghostmaker having an old sidekick um, who's gone rogue is, is very reminiscent of, of Red Hood, but uh, I don't know, I think, yeah. uh, I think it could make for something interesting, um, yeah, exactly and uh, we'll see I how that at. plays out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's essentially that. Um, you know, aside, well, we don't know what his backstory is just yet, but I, I guess we'll have to see. Um, but the core of that idea of, you know, his, uh, his old sidekick gone rogue and, and killing off all of his, his old associates um, is, is kind of Red Hood, uh, kind of Red Hood-like. So, yeah, no solid stuff here, but, but this was a, just, a, I think, serious, you know, st- again, I don't want to say that the first issue was bad, but definitely feels like, oh, okay, now we're really getting, really getting down to it. So I definitely had a lot of fun with this one, and I, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. And uh, John Timms... I, I've not been talking about the arts in, in a lot of these books. I feel like it's it's pretty implied that most of them are pretty good. But uh, I gotta say, John Timms is is winning my most improved award of of 2021 and 2022, respectively, <laughs> because I did Young Justice and I was not a fan of that. I was like, ooh, this is all static and weird and kind of rushed in places. But ever since like Future State, honestly, guy's been on a a real upward trend and and that's last splash page with phantom one was was like really good um so you know props to you man you've uh, you've improved at least in my eyes so 8.5 out of 10 for me yeah man um uh ghost maker's murky ass pass is stopping him from being a hero that's kind of funny uh I feel like we knew that Phantom One was out there, was at least some kind of a plot point, given that he wanted Clown Hunter to be called Phantom Two. Uh, hell, I can't even remember when that was now. But uh, I do remember it. Anyway, um, uh, he killed a sidekick, I guess. I, I hope that this won't be a repeat of Jason Todd exactly I mean obviously there's a lot of parallels but hopefully he's not going to say that Ghostmaker killed him by letting him get killed Um, I do I hope it's something different but this has been great so far this book setting up all of Batman Inc uh, this issue is no different looks great too by the way like Brandon was saying it just gets better Um, the inks and the colors Chef's Kiss I liked it 8.5 out of 10 yeah, well, this story just got super interesting, like way more than it already was. It was very interesting already. Uh, I, I 100% agree with you, Brandon. I did not expect the killer to just be shown off so soon. That's why I'm not 100% convinced that um, was a Phantom 1 is the, the name he's going with, that, that's, that yeah. he's the actual killer, and that maybe he's just like a a side piece to the story uh, strictly because yeah, Clown Hunter has been perfect. palling around with Ghostmaker and and Phantom 1 has seen that and is trying to put a stop to that right away. I could be completely wrong though, maybe he is the killer but what's also piquing my curiosity is all these other characters that are showing up and potentially saving other members of Batman Inc which makes me think maybe there's a rival Batman Inc going around because they all seem to have bat ears on their heads. It's uh, mm-hmm. really interesting designs. Yeah, I'm loving the, the yeah. whole series so far, though. Like, if if we get a kind of a curveball at the second issue, um, I'm curious what is going to happen next. Like, how much more story can there be? And I think uh, we we've got quite a lot to come. I think um, yeah throwing a curveball so early there's going to be 
a, a much deeper story to go forward. So I'm, I'm so very excited for the future. Him of this. as a recurring villain. Yeah, potentially. Uh, I gave this uh, 8.75 out of 10. It was, it was really good. And and uh, in response to your your thing about a you know an opposite Batman Inc. There actually kind of was, but no one did anything with it, which is sad. Pete Tomasi had an annual, like three years ago, I think, when he was doing Detective Comics um, about uh, an old an old Batman character from year two called the Reaper, um, and one of the Reapers, I think it was the son of the original Reaper, basically started Reaper Incorporated, or or the equivalent of that, where he had international Reapers acting as assassins. It was a really cool idea, and then just, I guess, either because he wasn't on the book for that long, or, or after that, um, I don't know, but uh, no, one, no one ever did anything with it, but uh, it's a shame, it was a really cool idea. It kind of could have been the anti-Batman Incorporated. That does sound, I don't remember that, but that does sound really cool. Was it one of the annuals yeah, detective, he said? Yeah, Detective Annual number two, I think it was, from like 2018. Okay, I gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows? Maybe mm. this is uh, going with it. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe that's the key. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Perhaps. Okay, so we're going from Batman fighting in corporate world to fighting uh, in the superhero world because he's fighting his son. Z- yeah. Z- Batman versus Robin, <laughs> potentially plural. Number three. Uh, is coming at you now, and Josh is going to talk about that. I definitely will. Written by Mark Wade with art from Mahmoud Azrar and Scott Godlewski. Colors from Jordi Belair, Steve Wands on letters, and Azrar with Nathan Fairbairn on that cover. Uh, Alright, so while Batman is on his way to Lazarus Island, Damien as the new demon Batman, gives his Robins gifts of war, Tim Drake an invisibility cloak, Jason Poseidon's trident, Steph gets a staff, and Dick gets the sword of sin, flaming of course. The rest of the Bat family is shown with green things covering up their mouths. Uh, Damien approaches Talia, gives her a tongue lashing, and then asks how she will pay for her sins. She doesn't answer, So boom, now she's blindfolded and hanging upside down using the same green energy stuff as on the Bat family. Uh, While Batman begins his fight toward Damien, fighting and beating Tim first, Mother Soul is making Black Alice, and uh, I hope she sticks around after this, she's making Black Alice suck the power out of the Queen of Fables and put it in the mask of Dr. Fate. Neza shows up with Shifu Piggy from Monkey Prince, which I thought was kind of cool. He's tied up in more green energy. Um, I guess that's kind of for- been forecasted in Monkey Prince, the uh, tie and the uh, relationship between Neza and Shifu Piggy, if you've been reading that. Um, anyway, uh, so Shifu Piggy from uh, Monkey Prince uh, tells Neza with a lot of joy that Neza's brother is on Earth and can't wait to talk to him. Batman goes up against Steph and Jason at the same time, and he clears them too, albeit a little worse for wear with a broken rib and more. Later on, Damien approaches Piggy, and Piggy points out that he can feel the small part of Damien pushing against Neza. 
He also gives up Naza's backstory about how he used to be a good guy and that he's gathering an army to, of eight billion to defend himself. I think it's eight billion is what he said. Uh, Batman finally makes it to Nightwing and is basically battling both Nightwing and Azrael's sword at the same time after distracting Dick momentarily by causing him to stab, stab Alfred. Batman knocks him out and then tells fake Alfred all the reasons that he knew he was fake before the demon energy released from Alfred's body. And then he gets a very long speech about how Batman needs to quit blaming himself for Alfred's death from Alfred's ghost before it fades away forever. Then Batman just picks himself up and walks into the cave to, well, uh, I guess to start the next issue. The art was kind of iffy in places for me, honestly. Not everywhere, but in places that it was notice noticeable without having to look back through the issue. This is probably the best out of the three issues so far. And um, I'm giving this a 7.5 if that tells you anything. Uh, they set up a bit more in this issue, but there's not long left for the payoff. So uh, 7.5 is the best I can do on this one. How about you guys? Brandon, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've I've been the the weird defender of this series, um, even though I I had pretty much very low to to bad expectations uh, for for how this book was going to be. So it's it's surprising that I'm still enjoying it, even with this one and. Never, never would I have thought that an issue where Batman essentially just beats the shit out of all his Robins would have been so enjoyable. Uh, but it was in, in a horrible way. Come here, you um, little motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's I, I think in in that sense, it's it, it is honoring its title. It's it's Batman versus Robin, but it's not just one Robin. It's all of them. And he, you know, has had four at this point so um I, I suppose it's it's only natural that he's going to come to blows with with all of them at some point um so it, it was it was i don't know in a weird way it was kind of nice seeing him go through all of them and, and revisiting his own failures and i know that sounds terrible um but it, it just kind of i don't know the the way it was presented at least for me was like okay i'm i'm getting i'm getting what's what's uh what they're trying to say here and and i feel like it's it's somewhat working um so that when he eventually landed on Dick Grayson, you're like, oh shit, this is gonna be this is gonna be something, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's aside from that, it's it's just been a really like solid action-packed series. Like I I feel like I don't have all that much to complain about. And we know that Damien is possessed and will likely break free, and you know, for all intents and purposes, will help fight against Neza. Um, following this, so right now it, it's kind of just like I'm just enjoying the ride and having fun seeing Batman try and, and get to the bottom of this. And I, I know last issue you said it was kind of, you know, Bat-God stuff. And, and I agree, yes, he is very hyper-capable hyper capable here. Um, but for a book that is trying to focus so heavily on, you know, the various relationships that Batman has to his Robins and to Alfred and to everyone else, I, I think it's it wouldn't really make sense for anyone else to be um, you know, going up against these people because it, it is kind of about him. Um, so it, I'm, I'm willing to to kind of forgive that. Um, the last point I had is Tim, I think, must have uh, gotten his head 
uh, banged a little bit harder than he realized because he is coming hard at Bruce saying, you know, you were, you treated me like you were invisible. And I was like, buddy, that wasn't him. That was Dick Grayson. He fired you and then was like, oh, sorry, I can't really do anything about that. When Bruce came yeah, back, he was the one that right. was kind of trying to welcome you back in the fold. So I don't know why you're getting mad. If you want to get mad at anyone, get mad at Dick. But that sounded funny. Um, but, uh, you know, like, don't get mad at like, don't get mad at me. I didn't. I was I was dead. I was literally trapped in time. Um, There's nothing I could do. So yeah, I was like, yeah. I mean, what, what did you? What, do you think I should have just come bursting through time and then been like, Damien, take off that damn costume, Tim, you're Robin now. Like, what, what did you want me to do? But uh, anyway, no, aside from that, a really, really solid issue. Um, so I gave this one 8.5 out of 10 as well. Oh, yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy you brought up that uh, kind of double meaning with the title because I, I definitely picked that up as well. Um Batman versus Robin versus Robin versus Robin versus Robin versus Robin. Yeah, like <laughs> pretty much. It's uh, it's not even just about physically beating the shit out of his children. It's it's also theoretically the, the concept of Batman fighting the idea of Robin, and and the story just got super friggin' deep for me. Um, because not only was he physically fighting each of the Robins, including Stephanie, but he was also fighting each of their feelings his feelings were fighting their feelings and he was fighting his own feelings and they were fighting their own feelings like there was a lot of of uh like thought process and, and emotion in there as well um and as he fought each one he fought uh the the things that he potentially did to minus tim drake because as you pointed out brandon that was dick not bruce um pointed uh he's fighting against the things that he did to them so it's it it got really friggin deep for me either that or i was just really freaking tired and saw something that's not there i don't know <laughs> that tends to happen mixture but both, that's i'd say yeah you that, that, that's man. that's that's how i took it and that last little bit uh last couple of pages i'll admit it brought a bit of a tear to my eye it was it was touching it was really nice uh I'm happy they're leaving it there. <laughs> I'll be honest, but yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The the art was good. I'm I'm kind of digging the story the way it was this issue. I'm curious to see how it's going to end, though. I think we have an idea. Uh, Eight point five out of ten for this one. Right on. I'm just yeah. gonna throw in right before we move on here that the whole Alfred's ghost thing was completely unnecessary. I I mean, I get it. Everybody wanted a touching moment between Bruce and Alfred, but I mean, it's like what seventy eight years later now. You know, when I mean, when it comes to to the concept of this book, though, at least how they're getting the theoretical stuff, I'm seeing it in a better light now. That the mm-hmm. the one draw that could always quell a fight between. You know, Bruce and Dick and Bruce and Tim and, and Bruce and Damien was always Alfred. Alfred. He was always the one that each of the Robins can go and talk to and just uh, have a sounding board or have a shoulder to cry on. And, and same with Bruce. He was always that person for Bruce. So, so to have Alfred there at the end to just again say to Bruce, like, it's not your fault. You don't blame Damien. You blame yourself. 
don't do that and don't blame the robins he's just he's being himself he's being alfred and and i think for a story like this you kind of need that pull but at the end of the day like still leave him leave him where he is it's it's carriage progression that we've always wanted so that sounds dark not that we always wanted alfred dead but but story progression in a way that changes things (laughs) in a way that sticks yeah 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 uh okay so that was a big fight would you say i i'd say that's that's a pretty big fight it was a a lot of rounds and we're gonna get into an even bigger fight now quite a massive fight a crisis of fights if you will it's uh god that was horrible dark crisis on infinite earth number six is here uh the penultimate chapter i believe that i i'm just gonna preface this i was talking with josh earlier this week about uh when we we were uh waiting our, our copies of the books and i said this is solely just based on blackest night but the the penultimate issues of of events for me tend to be the biggest ones and the best of the series at least that was the case with blackest night and i kind of put that 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 second to last issue on a pedestal for each event and if that issue was weak the event fails so this was a big thing for me um but as for the story, so we we jump into the Green Lanterns are still on uh, Sector 666 on, I believe that's Riot. Yeah, that, yeah, that's Riot. With the Black Lantern uh, presence, and they're trying to communicate with Mr. Terrific, but it is proving ineffective as the signal is being jammed somehow. Just then the Black Lantern activates, and a whole bunch of uh, shadow beings uh, come pouring out attacking the green lanterns and droves meanwhile on earth the gigantic brouhaha between the uh great darknesses in justice league i Bless guess you, you call it <laughs> the forces For of the evil society, yeah yeah uh the, the the forces of evil are fighting the forces of good in the biggest fight you've ever seen outside the hall of justice uh, and it's honestly kind of 50-50 as to who's going to win. Some fights seem pretty good, some just don't. But one that seems very interesting is Gar is up and running around and just ready to just tear the shit out of Slade Wilson. Uh, slashing both his arm and his, his uh, eye-patched eye in a feral werewolf-like form. They go for one big fight between the two of them, but is interrupted as we jump over to... Uh, the worlds away from Earth Zero, as it's described, the dead Earth in the dead multiverse that our current um, dead Justice League are residing on, along with Hal and Barry, um, and I believe Kyle and Joe are there too. Uh, they're trying to figure out a way to get back to Earth, despite Pariah's warnings that if they try, they will not make it back alive. Uh and Barry and Hal have somewhat of a plan to get them back together using the connection to the Black Lantern battery and Barry's ability to change uh, the uh, vibrations of their molecules to traverse the multiverse. Using that in Hello. unison, they may be able to get them back. But uh, as they, as I stated, they stated they're unsure if they'll all make it back. But Ollie, knowing his fate, uh, as he was 
just brutally destroyed by Doomsday before they were all teleported away by Pariah, that they need to do it because that's the job. That's the risk they take every time they put on the suit and go out to fight crime. So it's got to be done. And if that's the cost he's got to pay, that's the cost he's got to pay. Dinah is obviously upset about that, but she uh, reluctantly agrees because she knows Ollie speaks the truth. So Hal and Barry uh, recite each other's power-up phrases, I guess, as Hal or Barry starts to say in Brightest Day and Blackest Night, and Hal says, run, Barry, run. Catchphrase, man. <sighs> say their, each other's catchphrase. I, I, hmm. I would say catchphrase, but run, Barry, run was... Barry never said that. <laughs> he was always told that. Did you say that in Flashpoint right before he fucked up the universe? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, did the catchphrase I'd want to say before I yeah. go home. I think so, yeah. Oh, gosh. And, or it, and might, it might have been what Reverse Flash said to him. I gotta, I gotta double check that. Oh, uh, yeah. That would make more sense. It would be weird and, if Barry was talking to himself in the third person. Yeah. Run, Barry, run. Yeah. I, it, it is also a phrase that was used frequently on the Flash TV show every time Barry went up against a new villain and says, Guys! Not fast enough, and somebody just gets on comms and says, "Run, Barry, run! You can run fast." Like, Thanks, I can beat him now. Like, that's basically yeah, it's just—it's just, a stained you. phrase at this point. And that's why I don't watch the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, they do that, and for some reason, that activates their powers, and they—it it, it succeeds. They teleport the members of the Justice League away. As we jump That's back a cool to, panel too. it is. Yeah, it was actually a really cool panel. Uh, they teleport uh, away, and we then jump back to Earth One, or no, Earth Zero, uh, where the fight is taken a bit of a dark turn. Dark Side is literally torn Frankenstein in half uh, in a brutal fashion, but he's Frankenstein, so we know he's not dead. Yeah. Um, you know, while Mister Terrific is trying to figure out. Raya's machine and how they can use it to their advantage while Black Adam is uh, goading him to try and get out and fight because the heroes are losing horribly. As Mr. Drippick says, look, they're out there. You're not. They're doing fine. Uh, like, put up or shut up, basically. Right. Get the fuck. Are you going to sit there and complain or are you going to get out there and help them, you dipshit? Yeah. Dick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there, we, we jump back into the fight where the heroes are having a bit of a struggle. Uh, Nightwing alone is having to take on Ravager and Roundhouse all at the same time, while John and Yara Floor are working together to take on some people. But then Jace Fox shows up on a motorcycle running down uh, somebody that looks like a lion. I feel like I know who that, that villain is, but I can't quite place it. It's not Catman. That'd be weird if that was Catman. But that also, you see, takes place at the end of I Am Batman number 15, which we talked about earlier, leads directly into this panel, uh, where he conveniently stops right in front of Yara and John, because uh, that's the uh, the future state trinity right there. You need that image. It's pretty cool. Uh, so as he states when he arrives, he says, I'm not joining the team, but I also didn't come alone. And in behind him comes Steel, the Ray, Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, Miss Martian, Nab, uh, Nubia, and uh, Connor Hawk. 
coming in saying that it's time for the Justice League to uh, take the fight to, to them. Uh, and joining them on another panel is Booster Gold, Firestorm, and Ted Cord Blue Beetle. But before they can really do much, Pariah fires a blast and decimates Connor Hawk, Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, uh, Steel, Firestorm, and Booster Gold uh, in the classic fashion that he did with the Justice League at the beginning of the series. And that is actually the last time we see them for this issue. So as things start to come together, uh, he realizes that uh, things are going his way, but then Black Adam and Mr. Miracle come out with the machine, trying to get some help to make it work. Jace runs up and says, look, I may not be the tech genius of the family, but I am related to a couple, so I know a thing or two. Let me take a stab at it. Uh, Pariah notices his machine there is being worked on, so he calls the Dark Army to stop the heroes that are there. And John flies in, saying this is a job for Superman, as he takes on the heaviest hitters of the Dark Army. At the same solo. time. At the same time, yeah. by himself, because it's a job for Superman. Uh, Yara grabs Pariah. Jesus. Yeah. Among others as well. It's just wild. Uh, John's taking the fight to them, while uh, Yara Floor has Pariah wrapped and bound in the lasso to get him to try and see the truth. And as the truth uh, has come to him the voice that has been speaking to him that he believes is the great darkness has disappeared and it is not actually talking to him anymore but he doesn't believe it blasts out of the lasso of truth as john gets blasted by a nega beam and hit in the stomach by doomsday at the same time just then he gets beaten mercilessly by the dark army heavy hitters and has memories of his parents uh, how they telling him how great he can be as a hero, and it's a very his touching moment. He's he's bringing the fight hard, uh, but he is proving Aries out with one fucking hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he's he's getting beat still. He's getting beat down still, um, and Yara is down as Pariah stands up and is ready to blast her right in the face and disintegrate her. Uh, just as Jace figures out how to make the machine work and fires it right at Pariah, incinerating him. And he is gone finally, as his curse is over and he is dead. Uh, John is now on his knees as Black Adam, Jace, and others are trying to get to him in time to save him from Doomsday getting one final blow. But in a moment very reminiscent of, if you're a Dragon Ball fan, you know the moment I'm talking about. Clark steps in and catches Doomsday's punch. Doomsday goes to throw another one, but John catches that. Yeah. <laughs> Never again will you do this. You're not killing us today, Doomsday. We're going to kill you. Uh, then John passes out. And uh, Clark re uh, reassures him that, look, sorry we're late, but I didn't come alone. And then the entire Green Lantern Corps and Justice League have shown up to help the fight. And then we see some beautiful splash pages with some team-ups. We get the Bat family and the Titans fighting some people. We get the Green Lantern and the Flash family fighting some people. We get the Wonder family and Jon Stewart's ex-girlfriends fighting some people. And then we see Roy and Dinah meeting up. Happy to see each other again because they're both alive. But then Roy asks, where's Oliver? Damn. 
Uh, so the fight is being won slowly but surely, and Mr. Terrific asks Alan how it's going in the multiverse, but the darkness is still spreading. Whatever Pariah started is not slowing down. And as the heroes are regrouping and trying their best to stave off whatever victory the Dark Army is going to have, Slade Wilson appears, beefed up, hulking, and as dark as ever, holding Nightwing and Ravager in his hands, saying, I'm not done until all of you are dead. So, uh, at least for me, one huge fight is basically this whole issue, and it makes for a better issue than the previous ones we've had, because at least you had one consistent story. You didn't have half a good story and half a nonsense story. It was all actually pretty good in this issue, I think, uh, which does give it that that feel that I mentioned at the beginning of my review. Uh so Pariah is gone, and the darkness is still around, but I refuse to believe Slade is the be-all end-all of this, so there is definitely something going on. If they're convinced it's not the Great Darkness, well, just what the hell is it? Because at this point, who's left? What could possibly be it? And that's right. Uh, you know who it is. It's Kite Man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's gotta be Kite Man. He's, he's, the, <laughs> he's the only one left that's not there, so... Yeah. Uh, all in all, you I gave. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's kite, kite Man and Onomatopoeia. <laughs> that's that's a pretty dark world right there. So yeah, I can see that. Oh yeah, Kapow. <laughs> uh, I, I I'm kind of I'm kind of toeing the line right in the fence between eight point five and eight point seven five. I I'll just give it an, an eight point five for now. Um, so really enjoyed it. The art was fantastic. The story was cohesive this time around. I don't think there's much to complain about for me. Except I didn't give the credits. I just realized it's, it's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Daniel Samper and Rafa Sandoval, colors from Alejandro Sanchez, and letters from Troy Pateri. Just so you know. <laughs> All right. So, man, um, this one is just absolute amazing when it comes to the artwork. Daniel Samperi. Rafa Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez, just absolutely awesome. And this is easily the best issue out of the Dark Crisis books yet, just like Rob said. Those are both great things. Being the best of these books isn't a high bar, but still, this one was really good. Uh, it had a decent story running all the way through it, but uh, here we are. I read this book. You had to know I was going to mention it. He's done it again. He's ended a story, a huge story, by not ending it. Um, and that is absolute ass. I oh, there's still one know more that issue. was going to happen. There's seven? I thought there was only six. No, we got all one right. more. So maybe, yeah. maybe. But, yeah. all right, okay. So, score adjusted. Um this, like I said, it's the best issue that there's been so far out of it. Uh, the art is awesome, and uh, I, uh, I guess why I guess we know why Green Arrow doesn't have any books coming anytime soon. Yeah, so they both died. <laughs> Eight out of ten. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, there's it just it makes sense. I guess I don't know why. Anyway, he 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 got his head squished by Doomsday. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how he was there to begin with. What am I missing? Yeah, it was, uh, 
with indefinite. Uh, yeah, you're done, Ollie. Goodbye. I I think some Black Lantern shenanigans are gonna happen though, because I I was thinking about it, there's got to be a bigger reason that um, friggin' Roy was a Black Lantern in uh, Infinite Frontier. Alright, what about you, Brandon? What do you think? Uh, I, I, I vaguely recall saying before, before we started talking about this series, before it came out, that, that, that the series was going to, in its penultimate moment, have a scene where the heroes are at their lowest moment, and then at the last minute, the Justice League, who were previously missing, are going to arrive and save the day. I've, I've kind of, I yep. vaguely, but also vividly remember that. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened, which is incredibly disappointing, because my hope was that they would return to a place where the the younger generation of heroes did have it under control and did not need to be bailed out by mom and dad. And yes, they're fighting alongside them, but at the end of the day, you know it's it's they probably wouldn't have been able to do it by themselves, which is incredibly disappointing if the point of your story was to show how legacy is able to withstand it, you know, on its own. But I, I don't know. The story's been messy up until this point and and as i've said many times it's just a collection of nice moments and a non-story which is exactly what this this issue was as well it was really cool fight scenes and then i guess a story pariah is gone but i didn't really care so i didn't really feel anything from that um and slade being the big bad is uh, like mildly interesting at best but we all know he's just gonna get put down in the next one and will die and then be brought back again. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like I feel I feel nothing. It was the most issue I ever read, um, which is, is really not anything at all. Um, so this one got a 6.5 out of 10 for me. All right, fair okay. enough. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's it, it was bound to happen. I was kind of hoping that there would be a difference. Uh, way to go about that. They they certainly had that Lord of the Rings moment of writing in Over the Hills of Rohan. Yeah. A little Except late there, Gandalf. Burned, but... And this is, like, pathetic. This is this yeah. is so painfully cliche. Of course <laughs> they're going to show up now. Yeah. 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 That's the story, unfortunately. <laughs> That's been this event. Uh, all right. Well, that is our books for the week. It was a hefty list, but I think we got through it okay. Uh, so before we get into our closing segments, we are going to look at our top three and favorite moments, if you had one. Uh, Brandon, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, at number three, I had... Batman Incorporated, number two. Really, really solid stuff here. Um, and definitely looking forward to what the rest of the series has in store. Uh, at number two, I had Wildcats, number one, which admittedly I did lower it to an eight, but I think personally I would I would give that an, an 8.5 or maybe a little higher. I did have a, a lot of fun with the issue um, and uh, excited to see the cats back in action. Uh, but at number one, I had New Golden Age, number one. Just really exciting 
way to uh, to kick off this new saga for the JSA and uh, as as what I would say is one of the best teams in the DC universe. Um, this feels like a good story for them to be in. Um, my favorite moment, uh, loathe as I am to give this book my favorite moment, uh, I, I do have to give it to uh, to Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number six, because as pathetically cliche as it was, it is a very cool looking image seeing the Green Lantern Corps and the rest of the Justice League charging down at the Dark Army. It just, I mean, objectively it looks cool, even if the context I of the story am, is total ass. I am now officially on the hunt for this as a print. I want this. I don't care that it doesn't have everybody in it. This double page splash of the Justice League returning is also my favorite moment. Um, and I just, I will not rest until I have this framed and hanging, hanging right there <laughs> on my wall. <laughs> it will be right there. I, I don't care what I have to do to get this. It's happening. Um, so that's my favorite moment as well. <laughs> uh, it was just, it's too gorgeous to ignore, man. Um, number three, I almost mirror Brandon. I gave, uh, number three to Batman Incorporated number two. What a great issue. Number two, I gave to new golden age. Number one, an excellent setup, a little all over the place, but I do realize that that's necessary to set up everything that they've got going on to do it within 40 odd pages of a one shot. So I have to forgive that. And number one, man, just a hell of a time. What a roller coaster. And I loved every fucking goofy minute of it. Wildcats. Number one. Oh, I just loved it. How about you? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, number three. It was very similar. Uh, to, to Brandon's there. At number three, I had Batman versus Robin instead of Batman incorporated. Uh, very close, but I was just really invested in that that whole double meaning with the title that I found. Uh, number two, I had Wildcats. And number one, I had New Golden Age. Because uh, I agree, Justice Society might be the best team in the DC Universe. Uh, and a favorite moments, as cool as that panel was in Dark Crisis, uh, for me, it was all of Grifter's stories. They're just so much fun. At least the the aftermath right. like him <laughs> him talking to people and trying to convince them that they're all real um which honestly i thought i don't know if this is actually a case from the original version of the character but he's basically trying to grift them oh he's yeah that's where his them. name comes from okay okay <laughs> <laughs> makes sense it makes sense i like it because he's the ultimate gun man that just it's like you know uh, Domino from Marvel. It's like it, it, like he's her distant cousin. <laughs> like he he he's nonstop bad luck, but he gets out of it. And yeah. you know what? Just to differentiate from Brandon's favorite moment slightly, even though I love that double page splash so much, I'm gonna go a little bit earlier in Dark Crisis number six and say. When Blue Beetle shows up and goes, let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> yeah. That was cool as hell. That was man. cool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> folks. That was our favorite part. Now it's time for your favorite part. It's the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. 
yeah, man. And I've, I've, I've flushed it before, I've, and then I flushed it again. And for some reason, that some bitch keeps floating. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> my big, my biggest stinker is Wonder Woman number seven ninety three. I think we're actually all gonna have a different woman's pick. <laughs> that's potentially true. That's yeah. I'm, I'm eager to see. As I, I can guarantee mine is different than yours. Both of yours. <laughs> All right, Brandon. All right, what Brandon you what's yours? Rob mine, wants to leave. I know, I know mine is, yeah. Mine is definitely Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number six. Just, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys had fun, but this, yeah, for me, was, was easily the weakest one. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, this, this is actually a bit surprising for me as well. It's going to be surprising for the both of you, I think. Uh, my biggest stinger this week... Uh, it scored the lowest, and I had the biggest issue with it was I am Batman. Oh wow! Did not yeah, see that. It's, coming. I I'm I'm just that critical of lanterns at this point. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, that I have, scored pretty low yeah. for me. It just didn't make sense, man. It's, yeah, it just it yeah. didn't make sense. It it was so off. Every once in a while, you have to be the pedantic, you know, glavening nerd that that has yeah. to point out the inconsistencies, even if it is for the lanterns and everything. So exactly. I would be a hypocrite if I if I criticized you for that because we've all been there, we've all done that, we've all had our yeah, actually knows, moments. Yeah, God actually, knows we picked apart the fucking Teen Titans. Yes. Yeah. What would you say? I've, I've I've got I've gotten too good with my nerd voice to the point where I'm I'm scared it's just gonna be my regular <laughs> voice at one at one point or another and I'm just gonna go around like actually if 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 like and I'm just like oh god it's gonna oh, be my man. life one day. <laughs> if if any of us ever own a comic shop, we need to put on that voice. <laughs> At least once a day for us. Just I would love that, to own a that comic that shop lucky one day. Customer, we just put on that that comic book guy voice. Yeah. And just be oh God, office. yes. I'm yeah. down to do the valley. To. I'm down to do the the male valley girl voice. Like Man, actually, that. what you're looking at right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is on oh, the original God. Wildcats like... number one. You're gonna have to go all the way back to Image, brah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, in the back. Sound like a Bill S. Preston. Boxes, let's just go. There you <laughs> go, dude. Dude, Whoa. no, no, no! You don't want to read those. <laughs> <laughs> those are gnarly, man. Oh my god! <laughs> you found an original copy of Justice League number one. Whoa. <laughs> much too long oh my god that'd be amazing <laughs> okay I have a new life going now <laughs> oh goodness okay so that is our show remember you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcasts check us out on twitter at notarobotcomics and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews, articles, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. So, 
watch you guys with with JSA. Do you, I mean, do you think all of these people are gonna just be brought in, like brought back into the DC universe at large? Oh, like the the thirteen? Yeah, seems like it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So we're gonna have heroes like Quiz Kid and Ladybug. Well, there's there's Star Girl, the Lost Children, or something like that is gonna deal with a lot of those sidekicks, yeah. I think. Um, Whereas characters like Judy Garrick, I think she's going to be in that Stargirl special, but I think we'll also branch into a larger universe, maybe with the Flash comics, because they've been hinting at that already. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Golden Age Aquaman and Thaddeus Brown remain to be seen. I don't think Red Lantern's going to go any further than maybe Justice Society, and that's it. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't understand how they're gonna work in Golden Age Aquaman and a, a, another Huntress into our main universe because that's ultimately where this is all supposed to land, right? Yeah. Well, the the Huntress is, I mean, it's, it's nothing new. That that version, the Helena Wayne character, whether she well, was on Earth Two or the hyper time versions, has always been, you know, the daughter of of, uh, of Bruce and Selena, who eventually went on to join the JSA. And I don't think right. she was ever on All Star Squadron, but uh, yeah, or not not All Star Squadron, Infinity Inc. Uh, like, I, like I know that JSA the character Junior. is not unusual, and I've always liked the idea of her. I just I'm trying to figure out how in the hell that, that they're I'm trying to figure out how she is going to be worked into the DC universe at large. Like, are the JSA going to do they exist on a different universe, or are they on the main universe? Yeah, I I, I assume she's either coming from a f- further point in time and hyper time, or from Earth Two, um, which they still haven't established whether or not that's the New Fifty Two Earth Two or the the post Infinite Crisis Earth Two, which was basically the pre-crisis earth 2 which is all the original dc heroes but you know in the 40s and then they just grew old um my guess is probably the latter because jeff johns wrote infinite crisis and he wants to bring everything back that he did um but i I couldn't say but my yeah my guess is this is huntress from earth 2 classic earth 2 going back in time um to try and prevent whatever disaster is going to happen to the JSA from happening. So do you think that the JSA as a whole are on Earth 2? No, no. I mean, or there's she's, JSA, because what they did after... The multiverse. Yeah, so... Or yeah, probably traveling through the multiverse. Because what they did after Infinite Crisis was... And, and this is where shit gets muddled. So after, after the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, as you know... The entire multiverse was condensed into one Earth, and that meant that they had to basically, like, connect the timelines between the JSA and the, you know, the main Silver Age heroes, so they were now a part of of our continuity. But when they brought back the 52 Earths in Infinite Crisis, they were like, oh shit, if we have Earth 2, but also the JSA on this other Earth, how does that make sense? So basically what they said is... There is a version of the JSA that exists on Earth 2 that is essentially the same as the one before Crisis on Infinite Earths, but there's also a version of JSA that exists on our Earth that was, you know, fought during World War II and ended up in limbo and all that stuff. 
I imagine that's probably the same thing they're going to do and they're just bringing that back, which is a relatively simple explanation when you're not, you know, insane. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> that, that would be my guess. So this is, this is Helena Wayne from Earth 2 coming to our Earth or maybe in hypertime, I don't know, um, coming to our Earth trying to prevent some kind of disaster from happening to the JSA um, would be my guess. It's either Earth 2 or it's hypertime. One of the two. I mean, my only thing with that theory is that remains to be seen if the Earth 2 we had during the New 52 was still intact. And if those characters are yeah, the same, I, that I have then no that Helena idea. Wayne is different. Yes, yeah. That's why I'm like, I don't even... I don't Because it would, it would probably make more sense... For it to be hyper time if they're still keeping yeah. the new 52 Earth 2 intact. But honestly, I have no clue. Um, yeah. The only reason I think it's hyper time is because they give us dates in the new golden age. And one of those dates, um, when they're checking in with Dr. Fate and Power Girl and the original Star Spangled Kid are there, the date given is like 1976. And the only way that would make sense is if it's, you know, if, if it's either in hypertime in a different timeline that takes place in the past and eventually leads to, to the future, to our future, or if it is on Earth 2 and basically the same thing. Um, but, you know, it, it, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it could be our timeline because, you know, Power Girl presumably was not active in the 1970s, um, or at least not to my knowledge. Um, no, not, not in our, it, it's, I'm, 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 it's, it's getting very confusing. Suffice it to say, it's either from a different earth or from an alternate timeline. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's simplify. Yeah. Boy, I mean, this man, is, this is quickly sure already a becoming attitude. a lot like the Legion of Three Worlds, which was confusing in itself. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Don't oh. go there. But I, st- I, mean, I mean, I kind of, un- I still understand that. I, I get it now, but it, it, it really, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's the only Final Crisis trade I own, so I've read it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still just yeah. lost. I'm as yeah. lost as the Legion. Because that's like, there are, th- yeah, there, there are three different versions of the Legion that existed at that time on different Earths, um, which... But they were all, like, different ages as well, I mean, if I understand correctly, which... Yeah, because... Like, <laughs> well, because they were, they were trying, they were trying to, they were trying to make an explanation for how there are three different versions of the Legion in DC's publishing history because they kept rebooting the Legion every time, you know, they, they wanted to bring it into the fold, which is, that's, that's already a, a whole other can of worms. Um, but then Jeff Johns was like, I don't, I don't like that. That's dumb. I like the Legion that I read when I was a kid, you know, the one that Paul Levitz did. So I'm going to bring that one back. But then you have all these stories. Yeah, you have all these stories where various members have already met different versions of the the you know, Legion of Superheroes, so he's just like, fuck it. They're all from three different Earths. But I don't even know if that's still intact, because now there's a fourth version of the Legion, the one that Bendis did. So, who even knows? Oh, let's... Can we pretend for sanity's sake that that never happened? Yeah. I'm fine with that. that. Yeah. Okay, great. Yes. I can... Let's see if we can get the rest of the universe to agree to that. Anybody out there in the universe have any problem with just negating Bendis's run with the Legion of Superheroes? Nope. Okay. Universally I'm, I'm passed. perfectly fine with that. 